When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to the Chris Saylor Show. I'm Jerry Price. I'm joined by Princeton women's lacrosse coach Chris Saylor. And coach, welcome. Thanks, Jerry. So, uh, a few things. Um, one is we haven't spoken since you left to go to Virginia for your first road trip, which seems like a long time ago. And that game, thankfully, was, that game was a fourteen to nine loss, and then uh, Wednesday night turned into a twenty one ten win over Penn State. Uh, both teams rank sort of similarly to where Princeton is, so you know all in the basic top ten range, and you sort of didn't have the performance you wanted against Virginia, and then you came back with an extraordinary performance against Penn State, and uh, I mean, just certainly begs the question of what happened in between. Well, <laughs> there was uh, there was a lot of film watching, a lot of honest conversations, a lot of very intentional work at practice. Um, I think down at the Virginia game, I mean, we were just, you know, beating it in many ways down there. We didn't look like ourselves. We didn't play hard. They went much harder than we did. And we clearly had a lot of trouble with possessing the ball with 27 turnovers, which is, you know, about as many as you would expect to see in, in two games worth. So, um, you know, the conditions were tough, but that that's absolutely no excuse. And, uh, you know, we knew that that wasn't who we are or how we play. And so I think we had a lot to prove to ourselves and I think the players to a person were really committed to turning things around in practice and to studying hard and to seeing what went wrong and to finding a way to uh, perform better on the field. So the Virginia game was 9-9 with nine minutes to go and ended up 14-9 so UVA went on a 5-0 run to end that one and then the game uh, Wednesday night 
uh, last night, the game was it was over in the first however many minutes because at the ten minute mark it was already five nothing Princeton and Penn State never gave up and they actually played pretty hard coming out of the locker room in the second half. But when you build up that kind of a lead, you're usually going to hang on. So when you talk about the difference between where you were when you got off the bus coming back from Virginia and where you were when the game started, you know, one of the things I like about these podcasts is it sort of takes you into what it's like to be a coach and what goes into yeah. it. So, you know, you have your staff, uh, you know, you get off the bus, it's, it's, you know, sometimes Saturday evening and, you know, you have a game coming up on Wednesday. What do you and your staff do at that point? Yeah, well, I, I'm really fortunate to have two uh, great coaches who coach alongside me and my associate head coach, Jen Cook, and my assistant coach, Karen Maurer. And they work incredibly hard to help prepare us. And so there was a lot of film work that was done by you know, the staff on, on Sunday and just putting a lot of time breaking down that film and a lot of conversations uh, between the coaching staff, what we were going to do, and, and the changes that we really needed to make in terms of practice intensity and practice pace and the themes that we had to start emphasizing more in terms of practice. I think if we look at the decisions we made, I think last week we played um, we, we didn't practice quite long enough. You know, we did, we did a good bit of film work, but our practices were shorter and maybe not as hard as they needed to be. Um, and we saw that, you know, in the Virginia game, we just were not ready for that pace. And so we intentionally went much harder than we would go a day and two days um, out of the Penn State game. And I think that really did make a difference. So how hard is it as a head coach to delegate? And to say, I, I, you know, I assume you say to Jen, all right, take the defense and figure out what to do. But I mean, how yeah. hard is it to let go of some of the control? Well, it's so interesting. Early in my career, or for most of my career, I felt like I had to control everything, right? Every decision that was made, every matchup that was made, every, you know, every adjustment that was made. Um, you know, I wanted to control every facet of the program. And I think in the last, um, you know, seven, seven years or so, um, eight maybe I've started to relinquish a little more of that control and I think it's actually better for for the team um, and when you have great assistant coaches who really are putting their heart and soul into it and I, I've learned to to trust uh, my assistant coaches a little more they're really smart and hardworking, um, and we talk about everything together but I absolutely give them more of a voice in terms of uh, game planning and you know Jen is our defensive coordinator so you know, she makes all the recommendations for the matchups and the defensive strategies and that type of thing. And, and she's really the lead coach in that aspect of the game. And then Karen and I work together on the on the offensive end and we all work together in, in the transition. So it's a it's a nice team in that way. So was the, you, you mentioned it was like maybe seven or eight years ago. Was there something specific that happened that you said to yourself, I need to let go a little bit or the well, game changed a bit or you changed you a know, bit? I, you know, I really think when Jen came on board as our um, assistant coach, she came from North Carolina and was, you know, the way we used to recruit. I think some of the rules changed. So, for instance, we used to always scout in person. I think we had talked about that once before. And so, you know um, – I do a lot of those scouts, or DJ would do a lot of those scouts, and maybe one or the other of us Michelle would. Michelle DeJulius, former assistant. Thank you. Would write up the, the you know the scouting reports, but you know really breaking things down and giving someone more you know complete control. That's what Janet had at Carolina. That's what she was used to, and you know I felt really confident in her and knew that if we did bring her on, that that's what she would 
want to do and expect to do. And I think the, that's how lacrosse has transitioned. It's become much more like football in a week to prepare for your competitions. And you have offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. And you give them, you know, a lot more latitude to actually coach than to just reinforce everything that, that you say. So the men's team, they lost a tough one to UVA also in overtime. But they've had to sit on it for a whole week. Your team had a, a midweek game. Was this a good week? I mean, obviously, the way it turned out, it was. But at the time, were you thinking to yourself, this is good because we get to play again right away, or this is bad because this could build on itself if we don't play well? Well, I think you're thinking both. <laughs> you know, if, if you play well and you make those changes in a couple of days, I mean, clearly that Virginia game got our team's attention. Um, and I think we all knew we had to make some changes and, you know, we were, we were tough on them in terms of the expectation and they, um, they embraced that, you know, our captains were like, it's exactly what we need. We need to go harder. We need to be more accountable. And so I think the team really embracing that and raising their level of play. And, you know, ironically in preparing for Penn state, a team that goes incredibly hard, that will just take the ball and, you know, run it down your throat. A team that moves incredibly well off ball to create space for the ball and plays really unselfishly. Like, we were preparing our defense for that, and I think the light bulb really went off in our attackers' heads. Like, wow, when we when we move and we move hard and we give the ball room, like, look what we can accomplish, you know? And so the offense looks so much different than we did down in Virginia uh, where we were really stagnant. Um, with the ball and really hesitant a lot. And, you know, we just were moving harder and moving the ball more and sharing the ball better. We also made a little tweak in our in our lineup. We put Kyla Sears behind the cage, um, and she ended up having four assists and three goals for us. And, you know, I think um, that was that has really helped her. She only had two goals in the first two games and then to explode with seven points. We moved Allie Rogers in front of the cage and she was able to get more of her usual dodges. Um, so I think that was a nice shift that, that uh, we put in. Did you have a sense before the game that your team was about to play a great game? I mean, you, can, are you I, able I to... knew we could. And, and going into the game, it was, you know, the focus was all on us. And it was interesting because Noni came to me after our pregame meeting in the team room, she's like, look what I've written on my, because that was my theme, really. It didn't matter who we were playing and what name was on their jersey. This game was about proving who we were as a team and playing as hard and as smart as we could as a team. And it was all about us and executing what we can execute at both ends of the field. And so Noni showed me her wrist out on the field during warm-up, and she had AAU written on her her wrist for all about us. And I think that was ended up being their theme for the game, too. It was my theme coming into the game. Um, you know, and I think we really – we just put it all out there. Do you get a little nervous when it's going so well in the beginning of a game? You know, it's 5 nothing after 10 minutes. And, and Because if you look up and it goes from 5 nothing to 6-4, yeah. you know, your momentum. Well, and that's easy. Lord knows we've had that happen. We've had that happen against uh, Penn State one year. We got down 5-0. Then we came back and went ahead 6-5. I mean, but, but then they got their runs. Lacrosse is a game of runs. Just look at the Virginia game. Um, you know, last week. That's it's not unusual to have a five goal run and to have a team come back and win. So, you know, you have to you have to keep your foot on the gas pedal. And so we talked about that a lot at um the break. You know, we wanted to be smart with our offensive possessions, but at the same time we had to continue to keep attacking and we wanted to score a lot of goals in the second half. And conversely, I mean th- those Penn State kids, I knew they were gonna come out of the locker room with abandon and and they did, you know, and they scored the first two goals pretty early in the second half. 20 um, seconds apart. Yeah, there you and go. And so you call timeout. But going back to the first half, 
you followed that you so they scored to make it five one and then you scored six more after that, which yeah. is a big time answer. So now a ten goal lead, you're not gonna yeah. give up as much as maybe a, an early five goal lead. But now it's twelve three at halftime. And then they scored uh, a minute and a half in. They scored mm-hmm. two goals, actually 19 seconds apart, to make it 12-5. And you called a quick timeout. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think you got four and in a row after that. Yeah, but. I'm going to give credit to Jen for that. I was going to wait. I was going to wait at that point for one more. And she's like, let's call it now. And we called it. And it ended up being a, you know, it ended up being a good, a good call. What do you say there? Because you don't want to be in a situation where you're like, now we're panicking because they scored two in a yeah, row. Yeah, no, I don't think we were panicking. We we're just like, hey, we knew they were going to come out hard, um, and we've got to be ready to slide quicker. We've got to get into the space. Like at Penn State's whole strategy in the second half was just to get their biggest, strongest, quickest kids to you know start out at the twenty-five yard line and bomb dodge to goal. You their know? biggest, and, strongest kid is good at that too. Yeah, and they have a couple of them, and so. You know, they they were going with abandon, and frankly, I think there were a number of charges that weren't called, um, and they were just looking to get fouls or to hopefully put the ball, you know, in the cage. So uh, that game, when they called the time, when you called the time, it was twelve five, and then it became sixteen five, and uh, never, I don't think it ever got closer to nine. The clock runs at ten; it stopped once after that, but it ends up yeah. twenty one to ten. And you know, after that game, what is what is it like when you have a team that is so down, or a coaching staff that is so down yeah. on a Saturday, and then on yeah. a Wednesday they're like, "Whoa, look what we did!" It's a, you say it's like a you know it's coaching is that kind of a, a thing. You're up or you're down, and you really I haven't even quite after all these years mastered that. You know, I I'm coming off of three hours of sleep, not because I was prepping the whole time, but because I was still rev last night um, from the game. You know, and. Um, it is crazy how your emotions can can change, and you just got to try and be as stable as you can through it and know that, hey, it was a great game, a great performance, but we got to go out now and uh, and do it again. Like, it's, it was a great comeback for us um, and a great rebound for us, um, and hopefully we can just continue to move forward. So the next challenge as you move forward is Columbia Saturday, the Ivy League opener. That's a 3 o'clock start. The men play Hopkins at noon in the first game of the doubleheader. Uh, you know, the – Columbia and Princeton play 22 times. Princeton is 22-0. and 0. That's good because you've dominated them. That's bad because at some point Columbia is going to win one of these games. Uh, what do you do now? To, it's the opposite problem almost. Do you deal with overconfidence or anything, those kinds of things? And, and you know, again, Columbia was in the Ivy Tournament last Absolutely. year. Gave you a very good game in the regular season up there. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, a lot of those wins against Columbia was when the program was down, but now they've taken yeah. a few steps forward. I think, you know, starting the Ivy season, uh, regardless of who you start against, like getting your Ivy season underway, that is a big deal. And, you know, we, we came off a weekend where we played incredibly poorly and then rebounded with an awesome performance on Wednesday. And we know how we, fe- how we felt on Saturday, and we know how we felt on Wednesday. And, you know, I think this team is experienced enough and mature enough that they're going to come out on fire. You know, we've we've talked about that fact that it doesn't matter who we're playing. It's about us just being the best team we can be and, you know, trying to excel in all aspects of the game. And so, you know, getting the Ivy season off to a strong start is really important to every single person on our team. And we certainly know that you can't take anyone for granted in the Ivy League, and we, and we will not against Columbia. I mean, they've got the returning Ivy League midfielder of the year, um, scored 16 goals against you last year. Uh, yeah, c- 
Col- wait, say that one more time. Wasn't the score 22-16 oh, oh, yeah. in the Columbia, regular season? Yes, in the regular season, absolutely. 22-16. I, I think that kid had, uh, Lindsey Ewartson had 15 draw controls in that game uh, or thereabouts. So, you know, um, they, and just as we learned, it doesn't matter what happened, you know, in the game before. The only thing that matters is what happens on this game, and that's a great thing about sports. I mean, you have to play the game, and so we're going to be excited for that. So it's kind of interesting, though, because uh, there's four Ivy League women's lacrosse games this weekend, and I guess because of the number of games you play, you have to schedule them at various times, but most leagues aren't starting league games quite yet, and it's all non-league games. So to to have this one league game uh, out there to start, it makes it huge because – you need to get off to the one and start. Absolutely, and as a coaching group, we decided to do that because, you know, when you only play your league games at the end, we're playing so many of our strong non-conference opponents early, and before they they was actually a start date for Division One women's lacrosse. So that second weekend in February, we'd all be playing these teams who had five or six games under their belts and it might have been our, you know, first or second game. And so it was just really out of order. So we thought we'd get the Ivy season started a little earlier, play one game. We're all in the same, you know, we're all at the same uh, place in terms of practice time and competition at that point. And so that's something that the coaches intentionally put in. So it's uh, the game against Columbia Saturday. And before we turn the page on the game from uh, last night against Penn State, uh, two things. One was Julia Haney with three assists. Yeah. Which was nice to see. Very nice to see. I mean, the team as a whole, I think we were 50% assisted goals, which is by far the most we've been this this season. And, you know, Haney with three. Uh, George had an assist, which is great to see. And... um, Kyla had had four, four yeah. so it was really nice. And then Katie Riley with her first career goal. Katie Riley with her, you saw the team go crazy yeah. on the field and uh, on the sidelines when that happened. She's an awesome kid, a great energy kid, and and a leader on the team. So it was, we were really happy for her. So it will be Princeton against Columbia on Saturday, and then no game in the middle of the week next week. Uh, uh, Stony Brook here the following Saturday, which is March 9th. It's already March already. Um, so we'll be back next week to talk about how the Columbia game went and look ahead to Stony Brook, which uh, is one of the more they fourth I think this week. So Stony Brook, yeah, is, they had a they had a uh, a loss to, to Denver, to, which kind of yeah. took everybody by surprise. But, but then Denver's you know, unbeaten too. Yeah, they're um, well. Denver, I think, just lost to Michigan. So right. right after they beat Stony Brook, so it's crazy. Stony Brook's an awesome team. And it's so, great to have them on the schedule, and it's great to have them come here. Yeah. So it's Columbia, 3 o'clock on Saturday. The men play at noon against Hopkins, so get on out to Sherrod Field and see those games. Uh, Chris Saylor, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jerry. So for Chris Saylor, I am Jerry Price. Thank you for listening each week to the Chris Saylor Show, and thank you for your continued support of Princeton Women's Lacrosse. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.